Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Today we want to talk about completing a job. In missions, sometimes it's so difficult to know when the job is completed. Sometimes you're building on what others have done and others are going to complete what you have started. Today on Exploring Missions, we're looking at that, Nathan, and I know all about that, about pastoring. You also know that about mission work. It's yeah. a tough task to know, okay, is the job completed or or where are we on this? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, we can use a lot of different examples in the Bible of, of what this is like, but probably because there are so many examples in the Bible tells you how important it is and that how real of, a, of an issue this is, especially when it comes to... Uh, mission work, planting churches, you know, it's important, one, to count the costs so you know you can complete the job as you, as you begin. But also, you know, a mission worker going into a, uh, in a cross-cultural setting, going into a new place, starting a new work, the, the job is to complete the work the, where the indigenous leadership there in that new church and that new work can make things happen, can continue that work, can uh, grow, and, and the original missionary in that team will then leave. You know, having an exit strategy from the beginning is important, uh, but many times things get bogged down in the middle. It's very common, and it happens all over. Even Paul dealt with issues like this as he was planting churches. He would. He would have to send Timothy back. He'd have to send others back to churches, but he would do that. He would He would come, and he'd start the church, and he'd move on, and sometimes he'd leave Timothy there or Titus there. But then he'd come back and ordain elders who were indigenous to that particular city. Right. And uh, how important that is, is is vital. But having something halfway is, is just difficult. I remember in my college career, when I finished the second semester of my sophomore year and my first semester of my junior year, I, man, I was so tired. I'd got that much behind me, but I liked just about as much to go forward and it was real easy to say, man, I don't know if this is worth it or not. Yeah. And halfway is tough. And I could not help but think of Nehemiah uh, when he went back to build the wall. And that was a mission project, uh, Nathan. Uh, you know, you have different kinds of mission projects because the people there were being devastated by the enemy and they were not able to do the things of worshiping uh, at the temple and everything. So don't don't dismiss Nehemiah's just all building a wall. No, he was on a mission for God. Yeah, I mean, really you could say besides just the physical act of rebuilding the walls, uh, he was refocusing the the people's attention onto the Lord and the things of the Lord, you know, setting the priorities straight. And that's what happens a lot of time in the middle of a project or in the middle of a work or in the middle of life. We lose our focus and we need to be refocused. And sometimes God will send people in to help us to refocus on him and do the work that he's called us to. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse verse 6 says, So we built the wall 
and the entire wall was joined together up to the half of its height, for the people had a mind to work. Now, if you start looking, you'll find opposition comes from every place at that time. It was more opposition then than there was at the beginning, because a lot of time at the beginning, we have the zeal, and everybody's going to, well, he won't make it, or she won't make it, they won't make it anyway. But when it gets halfway done, they start to say, they may complete that, so we we better attack. Yeah. That's spiritually, governmental in many ways. Yeah, speaking of spiritually, like the spiritual warfare that happens so often in, in any kind of mission work, sometimes I think, and this is just me thinking, but it seems like many times you can catch the enemy off guard at first, you know, he's not right. quite aware of what's going on, or if he is, maybe he's waiting to see what, what really is the, the threat here. Uh, but once it becomes a real tangible threat and there are things happening, you can bet on he's going to attack, he's going to make his move. Well, what Nehemiah responded to those that wanted him to come down, he said, we're doing a great work and I will not come down. So you stay with it as long as God wants you to do it. You have to refocus and t- sometimes uh, God leads you to come somewhere else and ask someone comes along to complete the task. But the thing is, stick with it with God. Let God guide you in mission effort. And today, our guests, they're going to be talking about what God is doing, but they're also going to be talking about what they have done, and they're still working on it, and they're seeing the attacks of the enemy and trying to undo what God has done. So when that happens, we ask you to stay on target with God, uh, bombard heaven with your prayers, and today, enjoy John and Amanda Titus. And they are God's evangelist to the world. That's what I want to share with you today. Uh, Not just one continent, but more than one. So we want to talk about that and see what God's doing, why he would choose them to do this. I think all of us ask that. God, why me sometimes? Why would you use me? Not, Not sometimes I say, how could you use me with all the things that I have issues with? But God has chosen the foolish things and the weak things to confound the strong and the weak. Right. So we're glad to have you today, John and Amanda. It's good to have you today. John, welcome. Thank you. Amanda, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. The ministry is called The Voice International. Correct. And you've got to tell the story, a short version oh, of right. how God brought you guys together. I had a prophecy. I was uh, preaching in Melbourne, Australia, and... Um, pastor walked up to me and said, the girl you're going to marry has blonde hair. And I was really shocked. Then he got into some details of my past that made me really believe in the prophecy. I'm like, okay, there's some details to it. And I came back to India. My dad is a very traditional Indian pastor. He's like, no, no, that's not going to work out for the ministry in India. I mean, that's that's not going to be right. Anyway, then he changed his mind and he prayed this prayer, said, okay, she should wear Indian clothes because to his mind, Western clothes were not very conservative. So he felt like she should wear Indian clothes so that she will assimilate with this crowd. We said, okay. My mom was next to me and she said she should be able to eat at least a little bit of Indian food. Okay, <laughs> we get it. So we prayed this prayer. She should love India. She should wear Indian clothes, able to eat a little bit of Indian food. A month later, I was invited to preach on an Assemblies of God church in, in Mysore. And I was there to preach and I met Amanda. She just came and sat next to me eating a spicy Indian curry with her fingers, wearing Indian dress, a blonde head. Did, like, you, did you get the prophecy and you were fulfilling it? <laughs> I didn't get the prophecy. I'd actually already been visiting back and forth 
to India for the last couple of years doing humanitarian aid and things like that. And I already loved India. I was already committed to helping India, to being there. And uh, when I met John, I I actually said no at first. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as I was praying about it, I, I asked God to confirm it in three different ways from three different people. And I think the beautiful thing about God is that he loves that kind of faith Amen. where we put him to the test a little bit and he comes through every time. He does. He's that kind of God. Exactly. Isn't he? Well, I want to ask this cross-cultural marriage. Sure enough. How is that? Is, have, is adjustments? <laughs> oh, of you? I was very sensitive from the beginning about our marriage. I prayed a lot about it because I had a question. God gave me a word from where when Rebecca entered his life, he stopped grieving for his mother. God gave me a word that this woman would be a healing. It started with the word of God. That was my affirmation. And after that, I had so many questions. And every time I had questions, God stopped me from asking those questions to my wife because he said it was not an expression of love. It was an expression of fear. He said, you bring it to me when you have an expression of fear. Take it to her when you have an expression of love. And I took it to God every time. There was so much assurance. And at one point, I started believing that that I'm not going to fight this marriage. I'm going to strive to rest in this marriage because this is what God put together. And I also believe in this. God says, two shall become one. There is something supernatural about marriage. Yes, there are challenges. The challenges are from outside. That is not from between us. It is often from the culture. It's from whom we are related to. It's from their perspective. It's their view. As long as we don't let that come into our marriage, I think it's been a smooth sail, except we have to be sometimes geographically, you know, from two different places. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's prepared you for your ministry, though, with uh, so so continent. I mean, two, three for sure. I know that. Well, yes. how how about you? You're from originally, Amanda, you're originally from here in the States? I am. I'm from North Dakota. I'm a farm girl. North Dakota. <laughs> Cold winters. Yes. So um, India was a nice break from that. <laughs> now, was it southern India? Yes. Oh, <laughs> that, yes, I would yes. say that's not just an iceberg. I'd say that was an extreme. Yes. Extreme extremely break. different. Yes. And But God took you there and you'd been going back and forth to India for Two years doing ministry? Yes. Yep. Before I met John. And then when we started. Five years. Five years. years. Yes. Five years. And then when we got married, it was God taking me from kind of behind the scenes to now you're going to go with your husband and you're going to preach, which was a complete transition for me. But I really love it. I enjoy being able to meet people of all races, all ethnic groups, people around the world, and really seeing how similar we all are despite all of the the surface differences mm-hmm. and how God works in our lives in similar ways. Well, God is great. And I, I, I just enjoy hearing your story because the producer of this program, Devin, he went to India and he met his wife there, oh, yeah. Renee, <laughs> and uh, they both came back to the States and now they're working here. So it was good to have that connection with you guys. Well, I want to ask you about your following Christ. Your dad was a pastor. Yeah. But you had to come to Christ on your own. God, have you ever heard God has no grandchildren? Oh yeah. <laughs> so how did you come to Christ, John? Um, I, I, I wouldn't. I, I have a very rough past actually, and um, I went away from the Lord when I was about thirteen years old. Uh, pastors get pretty naughty. I got out of things of the church and everything like that. I got into drugs. So in the year two thousand six, I took 
39 pills of ecstasy to kill myself. That took me to a, about two days, roughly about two days of unconsciousness and affected my kidneys very badly. Woke up, my dad was next to me. He said this to me, son, give your life to Jesus. This is the time. And I told my dad, dad, some don't have the power to even make a promise. I'm in a place where I don't have a will to give my will. I've lost it all. I've tried to repent many times. And uh, that's why I even attempted a suicide because I felt like I can't, I can't really live this life. But this is a very strange thing. When I came out of it, I prayed. I prayed to God and said, God, I still believe I have nothing to promise you, but I know you can redeem me. Even though I have nothing to offer or say I would promise because I've done that. Sometimes I responded to altar calls and a few days later, I'm, I'm doing drugs again. I'm doing stuff that I should not be doing. Growing up in a Christian home, I know what the ethics are, what the values are. And I'm, I'm going into a self-condemnation because I know the truth. And now I'm not in the conviction mode. I'm in a condemnation mode. I almost felt like I belong to the hell, you know, more than I I'm a child of God. But when I came back after this incident, I started reading Bible. I started getting into the Word of God. I, I should say it was the Word of God that gave me the strength. Amen. It is totally the Word of God. I used to read the Bible from evening 7 o'clock in the night till morning 4 a.m. because that was the time I would itch to go outside. That was the time I want to go and hang out with my friends. That was the time I want to be in a pub or somewhere. And, and that's the time I started putting the Word to captivate me. At one point, I was finishing a Bible in 15 days. Like I was just in the Word. I don't know what to read, what not to read. I don't know what is the favorite. Read it all, right? Just read <laughs> everything. Yeah. And I kept reading everything. Maybe three or four weeks later, I was able to quit smoking. I did not strive for it. It just happened like, a, like, a, yeah. like, a, like an autumn leaf just falling off. Things just fell off from me. And that's when my life changed. Yeah, God does that. We, he usually, have you ever noticed this? He puts us in the right direction. Yeah. And as you walk in that direction and you walk with him, things are added and things are brought on. Uh, Paul talked about taking off and putting on. Amen. And that's exactly what you do. When he takes something off, he usually puts something else on. Yeah. And when he puts something in, something usually falls off. So that is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. Molding us to look like Christ. Amen. Amanda, tell us about your story of coming to Christ. Um, well, mine's a little bit opposite. I grew up in church. Basically, one of those I was born on Friday. My mom had me in church on Sunday. <laughs> uh, anytime the doors were open, we were there. Special meetings, all of that. And um, I accepted Christ at a young age, but I think growing up in the church, I, I kind of felt that I was doing it myself. It was yeah. all about my own works and about how well I was doing it. And I think it took going around the world really for God to teach me that it's all about his grace Man. at the end of the day. And it's no, grace. I, I, I was preaching last night and I said, it's grace in the garden. It's grace after yep. the garden. It was grace before the law. It was grace yep. after the law. Exactly. It's grace now. And it'll be grace yes. forever. Only Amen. grace. Amen. Amen. Exactly. Amen. Amen. That grace is sufficient, isn't it? Yes, it is that it's, and it, and rather than striving and trying to do everything out of our own, strength our own talents our own abilities sometimes sometimes you can be a christian and not really have to involve christ in it you can you can do those things all on your own but when you when you really surrender to him yeah. 
yeah. and let his grace take over. It's amazing what God can do. You know the difference. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, there are some children, Dr. James Dobson talked about, you know, compliant children and those that are kind of edgy. You know, now we didn't, we had three sons and none of them were the compliant child. <laughs> but hearing about you, you were probably a yes. compliant child. And a lot of times there's not that great a difference on the outside before Christ and after Christ. But on the inside, yes, there's, there's gigantic yes, difference, isn't there? Huge differences. Well, I, I was that way. I saved at 12 years old, and I was so fearful. So after I got saved, the first thing I wanted to do is go outside and walk in the dark to see if he had delivered me from that fear. And he does. He's a deliverance the, God, not only to himself, but from our own selves. He's that kind of God. Well, the location of your ministries, I really wanted to talk about it. We talked about it a little bit. But I know Australia, you were in Australia when God shared with you about that blonde-headed lady that you would meet. Yeah. Well, tell us about what the ministry is like in Australia. We'll take each one of them a little bit. What's going on? Um, God is definitely causing a great stir in Australia. There was a prophetic word over Australia by Smith Wigglesworth. He said this is the great Southland of Holy Spirit. And um, there has been a great awakening that is happening right now in Australia. Amen. In November, they're having a a huge Christian gathering. And also there is so much Christian influence in the politics today, which was not there a couple of years ago. That's that's different, completely different, isn't it? Yes, and there is so much prayer happening in the Australian capital right now, the Canberra, even in the president's office. We were there, myself and Amanda were there in one of those prayers. And um, now Australia, I, I say God is definitely doing an awakening in the end times. I believe this is the end times and definitely there is something great happening all over Australia now, but it is different from before. I would say uh, the revival on the new days is not going to be like the old times. It's going to be a fresh wind of love and a fresh wind of grace where the sinners can just walk in. You know, those people who don't belong in are actually coming back to the Father's house and that's happening all over Australia. Amen. You're listening to John and Amanda Titus there with the Voice International, and it is truly an international evangelistic ministry. And what God's doing in Australia, that is refreshing. Uh, we've been doing this program for quite some time, and we haven't heard very much from Australia. We've heard Africa and Asia, South America, and everywhere. But this is, that's a good word concerning Australia. I know God put a burden on your heart for India, obviously. Mm-hmm. How about did he transfer it? Yes. Australia as well? Yes, definitely. As I started branching out and going to more places, I I just started to realize how much we all need Jesus no matter where we're at. And um, Australia is a beautiful place. There's really been a melding together between what we call the white Australians and the aboriginals and bringing peace and harmony back through that. Um, God's bringing so many aboriginals to Christ as well. And they're, awesome. they've got revival meetings going. We're following one right now. They started with a three-day meeting, and now they're on their 14th day. They just Nobody's going home. <laughs> they're just having church every night. Amen. So there's incredible things happening in Australia, and we're excited to see how that's growing and expanding. Well, let's, let's go from Australia back to Asia, uh-huh. uh, uh, and particularly your, the country of India. What's, what's going on there that you would share with us? Politically, um, India is under oppression lately, especially the current ruling party. It's 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 a fundamental party. It is it it is it is no longer favoring, you know, the religious freedom. freedom. Yeah. Um. Uh, they to an extent they they want to launch a statue for the man who killed Gandhi. 
you know, that, that, that's the level. I mean, this will just describe the intensity of it. He's a murderer who killed Gandhi. Yeah. They want to keep a statue for him because Gandhi was the one who favored the religious freedom. Right. They want to go back 60 years, you know, back to the time of freedom. They want to rewrite the history. They want to change it. They're writing things on the books right now in the textbooks as Jesus is a ghost. Now, government, is that's different because there's always been a little bit of the religious persecution, as I understand it, according to the area of India. But then you combine that with governmental persecution, yeah. you are you are looking at serious, serious stuff, problem. aren't you? I was, um, so this, this was in April. I, I written back from Australia to India. Three weeks prior to that, seven churches were destroyed, burnt, and the mob that was doing it, it was about a mob of 12 or 15 people. They were taking videos of themselves doing it their face and everything. But the cops said, unidentified mob has gotten to this. I mean, see the amount of control here. Yes. And um, when we came back, we ended up building a church because that's what I felt like. It's, it's no point raging against this or fighting against this. But what I realized is when they destroy, we build back. We will work again. You know, that's the only way to keep on going. So the amount of persecution in India is um, in various levels. It, it, is, it is not very favorable time. We are praying for a change in the government. And I believe this is an hour as Christians, we, which we were always out of the politics, and now we are all engaging into the politics. I'm encouraging the churches to stand and to work in the politics that we need leaders. We need Amen. all over the world, not, not only even in Malaysia, they just had a change. That was a great shift, which was a very good thing. But in India, we're expecting a, a change in the political side. You know, when you look at that, the whole idea is religious freedom, which leads to missions and evangelism. Yeah. When Paul was finishing up the book of Acts, Luke was finishing up about Paul, the issue was there was an unhindered gospel. Yeah. You know, and he was in prison, but yet people were being able to come to him and him sharing the truth, and he would be released later. I know that. But the idea is an unhindered gospel. And so there's several reasons that Christians, as much as they can under the governments that they're under, they involve themselves in this uh, for religious freedom and for the sake of the gospel of the missions. Yeah. Uh, as, as you in America, could you relate ministry here? Amanda, you kind of lead on this one. Let John come yeah. in and comment. But what about um, here in America? What are you guys doing here in ministry? Here in America, this is our first year actually ministering here in the States. So we decided to just take off on a road trip around the country. And God has just opened doors for us to share in different churches, different home groups. And we really see this hunger in a lot of people burning for just more of God and to, to experience him, to experience his love, his grace. And it's really refreshing because sometimes we think that America is on the downslide in a lot of ways, but there's a definite hunger and a passion to see more of God. And we're seeing that as we've gone state to state, we've covered 16 states now, just pockets here and there, road tripped around the country. And we just prayed, God, you show us where to go. You open the doors. And he's brought amazing things out of it. We've seen people healed. Um, We have great testimonies of God doing incredible things on this trip. And I'm really excited to see 
what the revival in America is going to look like. I, I believe it's got to be a restoration. Amen. You know, uh, deliverance and restoration. That's what God specializes Amen. in, regardless of denomination, whether you're a Baptist like yeah. me or if you're an assembly right. of God, you still look at the Bible that God delivers us from sin, but God also delivers from addiction, yes. uh, uh, tobacco, yep. the yep. way he delivered you. And he can deliver you from the idea of, well, I've got it made. That's a deliverance. And then he restores. Yes. And, and you see in that, do you not see this restoration? Is that something that's not just in America and Australia and India, but it's wherever you go? Yes. Yep. Happening worldwide. Yeah. Well, I want to ask this. How can we pray for you? There's the audience that's listening to us this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they hear you and uh, we're going to pray for your safety as you travel. That's a given. Yeah. But tell us a little bit about how we could pray for you guys. Um, this is something I believe, uh, the demonstration of the gospel. Uh, I want you to pray for the demonstration of power of God in the places where we go. It is it is a time that as Christians we are putting off the miracles, putting off the supernatural, putting off because we think it's a weird thing to believe in it yet. My first mission trip was to Nepal uh, about 11 years ago. And I went with one-way ticket to go to Nepal. I didn't have money for my written ticket. What happened there was a woman who was three and a half years paralyzed. They carried her to the meeting, the place where I was preaching, no walls. So I could just see that it was just bamboo sticks and they made a, you know, stuff out of it. And I was preaching there. It's about a 600 plus people. And I want to... Mission can never run short of the power of God. Amen. And we need more intercessors and prayer. Amen. And the Spirit of the Lord said, bring her to the stage. I, this is my first miracle. Let me tell you this. I was not confident about bringing her to the stage and making a scene about it. What if she doesn't get healed? This is, I'm just very young. And I'm, I'm like, how am I going to, what is going to happen here? But I couldn't preach anymore. I stopped and said, please bring her to the stage. They brought her to the stage. They just put her on the pulpit. She just bounced back to life like she was just normal. The best part was the very next week, 80 people from the village got saved. Amen. There was a church raised, was birthed right there. Well, you know, as I've looked at the miracles that you see, especially in the book of Acts, but also in the other epistles, it's always connected with what I would say frontier mission. You see the greater miracles as the gospel was being introduced. Yes, exactly. And it's a demonstration of that. And I think a lot of people, and and then after that was over, yes, you saw miracles, but you saw the steady diet of feasting upon the word of God. Yes. And the word of God, yes. like you said, you, you read the word of God right. from oh, all yeah. night, and that's the power of, of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in our lives to make yes. that difference. He's made a difference in my life in that way too, brother. Yeah. Yep. Amen. I believe we are plowing the ground, but then God is bringing teachers behind that. I agree. That's what was lacking a lot of time in some evangelistic movements, yes. John. They did the evangelism and they did the initial contact, but they did not follow through. If you read the book of Acts, Paul revisited those churches, you yes. know, right. and yes. then he had write letters to those churches to yes. help them continue in the faith. Right. Yes. I want to tell you, you've been a blessing. Amanda, got a last word for us? Yeah, um, just one thing that we have been teaching in Australia as we've been talking with people is we've been encouraging the church themselves to grow deeper in the word and to get closer, to do that teaching that we were talking about, to be the ones to disciple the new 
people coming after us and to start that. And I want to encourage people in the U.S. to do that as well, to get into the Word, get closer to Jesus. That's all it's about. But be able to share that with somebody else, to bring them along with you. Guys, thank you. Our guest today has been John and Amanda Titus, The Voice International. And uh, you have truly brought an international flavor to Exploring Missions. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you. And we're thankful that you're on mission for God. Wherever God has placed you, you be on mission for God, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with a world that desperately needs it.